Father, we want to thank you for what we get to celebrate today. These amazing ladies that you have uniquely called and created and designed uh, with a motherly instinct to care for us, to, to show us what your love, what your mercy, what your grace looks, looks, looks like, and they carry the title of mothers. And so I, I pray that you would encourage them today to know that the, the, the long hours, the sleepless nights, all the effort and energy that they put into this, it will pay off and it is all worth it. Would you help us not just to enjoy and celebrate moms and grandmothers today, but every day? Would you help us, would you show us how valuable they are to us and help us to celebrate them in all that we do? Um, I wanna pray for all the ladies in our church family, Jesus. I pray uh, that they would remember and know that they are your daughter. They are highly favored. They are loved. They are chosen. They are sought after. They are redeemed and they are delighted in and deeply treasured because you are their heavenly father. You are our heavenly father and you see us and know us. Um, as we turn a corner, Holy Spirit, and, and jump into your word this morning, we pray that you would lead us. We pray that you would teach us from your word, that you would guide us. And as we leave here today, that we would leave uh, not just knowing some things, but we would leave on mission. We would leave remembering what it is that we're called to do, what it is that we're sent to do. So would you teach us from the details of your words today, Jesus? It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Anybody else a little warm? It's a little warm in here. I'm going to I'd also like to say hello to all my siblings that are tuning in online today. Just the oldest of four. Just want you to know I am mom's favorite, just in case you were wondering. You know, moms love so well that we all feel like we're, we're special, like our mom loves us the most. And so again, thank you ladies for the way you love so well. Um, our family is in the middle of track season, okay? And so what that has meant for the last few weeks is we have track meets all the time. And last uh, two weeks ago, we have two boys, a sophomore and a uh, sixth grader that are running track. And two weeks ago, we had four meets in three days back to back to back. And one of them got canceled and rescheduled for the middle of the week. And there were all these details floating around our house. But my wife and I, we wanted to be there to celebrate them and, so, to, to, and to cheer them on. And so on this particular day on the meet, they got rescheduled. I left an appointment early in Noblesville. And I did the very best that I could to navigate traffic on 32 at 6 p.m. without breaking any major traffic violations to get to where I needed to be on time to, to like cheer my son on for his two-minute race. So I get to where I'm going. I park my car. I sprint to the ticket office to pay my $5 to watch him run for two minutes. And right before I pay the lady, I'm like, wait a minute. I don't think there's a track meet here today. And I look around, there was not a track meet there. And I thought, oh no. And I realized I'm at the wrong place. My wife is working the meet. The meet is a home meet back in Noblesville. It was literally a two minute drive from where I was. Somewhere along the way, I, I missed a really important detail. You ever done that before? And thankfully my son was really gracious about it. But in that moment, I'm like, oh no. And I feel like really dumb. And then to add insult to injury, I met a family from Genesis they're like, they were there for their daughter's lacrosse game. And they're like, Jerry, what are you doing here? It's so good to see you. And I'm like, well, funny story. I'm not supposed to be here. I'm actually late. I just missed the thing that I set out to do, right? Here's the moral of the story. If you didn't know this already, details matter, right? Details are pretty important. They get us where we're going. They tell us where we need to be and how to get there on time. And so details matter in life. And can we just pause for a moment on Mother's Day and to worship God that he has given the vast majority of mothers, the superpower of being very detail-oriented, right? The vast majority of you ladies know how to keep us on track. And so thank you for using all of your superpowers for the rest of us. But we still have to live in the details of life because they matter. Well, I, 
we know this. I'm not going to tell you anything you don't already know, but as we've been studying through the book of Acts for the last several weeks, we are learning that all the details in scripture matter as well. And the reason I'm prefacing it this way is we're getting ready to enter into a section of scripture that is really heavy on the details. Lots of logistical details. People going to places you've never heard of, you've, you'll, you will likely never go, right? And you might wonder, why does any of this matter? How does any of this add up? I'm going to be honest and admit when I started preparing for today's message, I literally asked God, can you show me how to teach through this? Because I'm just not sure how this all fits together. And what he started to show me was that all the details, the big details, the little details, the seemingly insignificant details, they tell us how the Holy Spirit was growing the early church, but they also tell us how God intends for us to live today. So if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to turn to Acts chapter 13, because we're going to continue in our study through the book of Acts. And here's what I want you to see as we enter into Acts 13. We're going to see God call two men, the Holy Spirit call two men, Saul and Barnabas, to launch out on a brand new mission, a strategic mission to go from the church in Antioch and to take the message of the gospel and the mission of the church to places it had never been before. And it was a strategic move. Now in Acts chapter one, verse eight, Jesus promised his first followers. He said, you're gonna be my witnesses into the ends of the earth. And so we're seeing that take place and it's been happening for the last 2000 years. It's the reason that we're here today. But Acts 13 gives us lots of details. In fact, let me just show you visually what all the details cover. If you look on this map, you'll notice we're going to start in the church of Antioch. And after several months, Paul and Barnabas are going to cover several hundred thousand, or I'm sorry, not hundred thousand miles, several hundred miles. They're going to go to all these specific cities. And all this is just in Acts chapter 13, okay? So there's lots of important details here. But what we see in verse 1 is the, is the event that kind of kicked everything off. So in Acts chapter 13, verse one, it reads like this. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and there were teachers. There was Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. Now, when we first met the church of Antioch two weeks ago in Acts chapter 11, we learned uh, a lot about this, this growing church. The reason that this church began to grow and thrive was persecution had broken out against followers of Jesus in Jerusalem, and they were scattered all over the place. But many of them went up to Antioch, and this church began to grow, and it began to thrive. And what we learn here is this church had prophets, and it had teachers. So what's the difference between the two? Well, the teachers were teaching people that were young in their faith what it looked like to follow Jesus. And the prophets, they weren't necessarily predicting the future, but they were proclaiming the word of God publicly. And that's not always well received in our culture, right? But with the Holy Spirit's help, these prophets and these teachers were partnering together to lead this thriving church in Antioch. But there's some other details in this verse that I want you to pay attention to. You'll notice that there are five different men that Luke lists by name. And here's why these names are important. What we learn is this church in Antioch, we talked about this a few weeks ago, but it was known for being wildly diverse. Barnabas was a Jewish man from the island of Cyprus. That's a detail that's going to come up in a minute. Simeon and Lucius were both from Northern Africa. One of their name means the man with dark skin. So we like literally in the text, we see we're talking about diversity here. Um, then we've got this man named Menaean who grew up in, the, in Herod's household. So Herod was the evil Jewish leader back in Jerusalem, but somehow this man had become a follower of Jesus. And then, of course, you've got Saul of Tarsus. 
the famous, well-known Jewish rabbi who, whose life was radically changed, and he's been following Jesus. And so why do these details matter? Well, I said it once, I'll say it again. I think Lucas is showing us the church in Antioch was known for being diverse in a variety of different ways. They didn't worry about the color of someone's skin. They didn't worry about someone's socioeconomic standing. They were partnered together under the banner of the name of Jesus and empowered by the Holy Spirit to go into the world and to share his name in such a way that if you were to interact with him, it didn't matter who you were, they were gonna love you regardless and lead you to Jesus. And I, don't, I hope I don't have to convince any of you that that's the kind of church that we would want to be. We want to value diversity. We want to be such a diverse place that when people show up, they're like, you know what? I just feel welcomed and loved by the people of Genesis Church. But diversity wasn't the only thing that the church in Antioch was known for. Look at verse two. While they, while the church was worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Now remember, if all of these details matter, here's, what, here's why this is important for us. We get a little insight to how the church of Antioch was learning to grow in their spiritual journey together. They were worshiping, they were fasting, and they were praying, but not just on their own. They were doing this as a religious community, as a community of believers. They were learning the value of gathering together just like this to hear from scripture and to see where the Holy Spirit wanted to lead them. And most importantly, we see them valuing the power of prayer. And here at Genesis, we want to be like the early church. We believe there is power in prayer when we pray with and for one another. Now, you might not know this. In fact, I'm going to guess you don't. But on most Sundays, there is a tiny group of people that meet in the living room right across the hallway here. They meet most Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. and they pray over the needs of our church. They gather to pray for the person that is preaching that morning, that we would have clarity. They prayed for me this morning, that we would have confidence. We would speak whatever the Lord has led us to. They pray over the people hearing the message, that hearts would be open, that we would be encouraged and challenged in the word. They pray over the people that are serving. And not only that, they pray over whatever prayer requests that, that come their way. So I want you to know there are people that have been praying for you already today. Now, I would love to see that group of people grow and specifically, I want to see some men join in. We've got some great ladies that do this, but we need some men and ladies that would say, hey, I would, I'm really curious about prayer. Can you teach me more about that? What would it look like to be a part of that team? But they don't just meet up at 8 a.m. on a Sunday morning. That small group of people here partner with another group of people across both of our campuses, and they pray for prayer requests throughout the course of the week. If you email us or if you text us, we share your prayer requests with that group of people, and they're praying for you, and they're asking for updates. Now, last week when our lead pastor, Paul Mumal was here, he taught out of Acts chapter 12 and he shared something. And I want to revisit it because this is what he said. He said, prayer is God's gift to his people that allows us to draw on his strength. We see this modeled in the church in Antioch. And we want to be a church that is just like that. We want to be reliant on the power of prayer as we pray with and for one another. So if you have a passion for prayer, if you're curious about what it looks like to pray for other people or you want to learn how to do that, I want to invite you to join our prayer team. And so here's what you can do. You can grab one of those connection cards under the seat and just put your name and contact information on it and just write prayer team or come forward after service and find me. You can turn that connection card in at the welcome area right out here. But we would love to talk with you about how you can begin praying with and for the needs of our church. And most importantly, if you have a prayer need, and we all do, 
This is why we invite people to come forward on a regular basis after service because we have people that would love to pray through life with you. You do not have to go through life alone. Now we see the church in Antioch modeling this for us early in Acts chapter 13, but they weren't just praying, they were fasting and they were worshiping. Now, if you don't know anything about fasting, fasting is when you decide to, to sacrifice your opportunity to eat for a determined period of time in order to pray and to seek God's wisdom and guidance through some specific situations. And what we see in Acts chapter 13, this is pretty remarkable. The church family was worshiping and fasting and praying together. And as they did that, the Holy Spirit didn't speak to an individual. He spoke to all of them collectively. And we don't know how he spoke, but what we know he said is, set aside for me Saul and Barnabas for this special work that I had to do for that I have for them to do for me. And we know that they heard him crystal clear. Look at verse three. So after they, after the church fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on Barnabas and Saul and they sent them off. So once they heard what the Holy Spirit wanted them to do, they laid hands on them and said, I guess you guys have to go. You're gonna go do this. And when the laying on of hands is like their way of saying, we're with you in this. We're not forgetting you. We're just being obedient to whatever God is calling you to do. Now, if you go back to Acts chapter 11, we learned at the very end of the chapter that the church in Antioch, this new thriving church, this wildly diverse church was also really generous. They had heard about a famine that was gonna strike in Israel. It hadn't even happened yet. It had been prophesied. And they collected their funds together and they sent money back to Jerusalem with Saul and Barnabas as a gift to the church down there. So they were known for their generosity with their finances. But here in Acts chapter 13, we see them being generous in a way that was really, really different. Because Saul and Barnabas were the two men that had helped shape the church in Antioch. They were the leaders of the church in Antioch. And so when the Holy Spirit says, I want you, the rest of you, to send them out, the church in Antioch were, were losing two of their best and their brightest teachers, but the people in Antioch, they were, they were gracious. They were like, this is what God is saying to do. This is what we need to do. And so Genesis Church, I want us to learn from the church in Antioch. I want us not just to be generous with our finances, but generous with our people resources. We want to be a church that's sending people out in our community, where you work and where you live, in the power of Jesus's name to not go alone, but to go and carry his name or to use your people resources to build up our church family here. This is what generosity looks like. It's every facet of our life devoted to Jesus. And what we see at Antioch is that the Holy Spirit was at work in a powerful way. He was mobilizing people to go out to where they, he had called them to take the message of the gospel and the mission of the church with them everywhere they went. Well, let's see what happens as Saul and Barnabas launch out on this journey. Verse four, the two of them, Saul and Barnabas, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. Now here's where we get all the logistical details, the people and the places and what does it all mean? Well, here's a really important detail that I want you to see. As Saul and Barnabas launched out, on this mission, they didn't just say, hey, where do you want to go? Or where do you think is best? It says the Holy Spirit was leading them. They were listening to the Holy Spirit's guidance everywhere they went. Now, this is a theme we have seen come up over and over again in the book of Acts. As followers of Jesus, we're called to follow where he leads us. We don't get to call the shots, but if we're faithful to him, he will tell us where to go and how to get there. He fills us in on all the details. 
So they weren't just wandering around. But what we do see, if you go back to this map, here's, here's the details that we just learned. They left Antioch and they went to Seleucia. It's about a 20-mile journey. So imagine walking from Antioch to Seleucia. You're on this new mission. And then they sailed from Seleucia to the city of Salamis on the island of Cyprus. It's about a 130-mile journey by boat. They're just being faithful to go wherever the Holy Spirit is, is leading them. But let's ask a question. If the Holy Spirit's the one that's guiding them on this journey, don't you think it's safe to assume that he's leading them there for a specific reason? Doesn't that seem to make sense? They're not just, they're not calling the shots. They're following the Holy Spirit's lead. So why would the Holy Spirit lead them to Cyprus? Now, while you're thinking about that, let me ask you this. How many of you would be excited to know that the Holy Spirit told me to tell you that he actually wants to use you to go into your everyday life, just like Saul and Barnabas and to do what they're doing, to share your faith in Jesus. Can I see a show of hands? I saw half a hand last, like people were like this, okay? No hands this service, cool. So last service was, they, they caught on to it a little bit better, right? Now, the reason we're scared to raise our hands because we're like, we don't know what that means. So think about what you know about God. If he's calling us to share our faith in Jesus where we go, where's he gonna send you? Think about what you know about him. If you believe that he is good, are you thinking he's probably gonna send me somewhere so dangerous I'll die on the way? Or he's going to send me somewhere where the weather is so horrible, like Antarctica, it'll be, it'll be miserable, right? Now, does that seem to line up with God's character? I mean, maybe he'll ask us to go to those places. But here, we see him leading Saul and Barnabas to Cyprus. Now, here's an interesting detail. If you go back to Acts chapter 4, the first time we meet Barnabas, any guesses on where he's from? The island of Cyprus wouldn't you know? God is being very gracious to say, hey, you're launching into this thing that's never been done before, but I'm going to let you go to a familiar territory. So that means that, that means that Barnabas knew the culture of Cyprus. He knew the people of Cyprus. The people of Cyprus probably knew him. He knew the lay of the land, and most importantly, he knew the food scene. He knew all the good places to eat. That's important when you travel, right? He knew Cyprus. But there's one other thing about Cyprus that might have motivated him too. In the ancient world, Cyprus was known for being similar to Hawaii or the Bahamas. It looks like this. Now by show of hands, God is gonna call you out on mission. Who's ready to go, right? Oh yeah, hands. Oh, I, yes, those people need Jesus too. Please send me, right? Here's the point. It would be great to be called to a place like that. But remember, this is where Barnabas grew up. So God is just using this familiar territory to call him to go there to tell the people about him. Now we want to believe being called looks like this. It might, but where are the familiar places he's gonna call you? It's probably gonna be challenging. It's probably gonna be hard. It's probably not gonna look like that. But if the Holy, Holy Spirit is the one that's leading, don't you think we can trust him to lead us where we need to go? See, the little details of life matter. They matter a lot to us and they matter to God too. But it wasn't just familiar territory that he was calling them to. Look at verse five. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. Now, a Jewish synagogue in, first century, in the first century was very similar to a church building just like this. It was a place where people would gather together in crowds. They would pray together. They would hear the teaching from God's word and, and they would be instructed. In fact, it was often common at Jewish synagogue services for the law of Moses 
to be read and for a teacher to teach. But if there was a visiting teacher, one of the traditions was that the visiting teacher would get to teach. Now, as a teacher here, that makes me a little nervous. Hey, I don't know you. I don't, I don't know who you are, but I heard you're a teacher from out of town. Would you, would you care to come and share with us today, right? Does that make anybody else just a little nervous? Well, here's the thing about the detail here. Saul used to be a Jewish rabbi before he started following Jesus. And the, the tradition was, as he went in, if, if he was recognized as a rabbi, they'd be like, hey, Saul, why don't you come and teach today? And you know what that did? It opened up a door for him to share his faith in Jesus no matter where he went. So they were called to familiar territory. They were called to familiar places. And so I just, I think we got to stop and ask the question, where are the familiar places that the Holy Spirit is prompting us to go, that he has put right in front of us? Who are the, where, where, where are the familiar territories and the familiar places? And then on top of that, who are the people that are right in front of us on a regular basis? I mean, my guess is if you're like me, you've, you've felt the Holy Spirit nudging you. Hey, open your eyes. Look around. Look down your street. Look at your neighbors. Pay attention to the people that sit by you in class or the person that live, uh, works down the hall from you. Have you felt the Holy Spirit's prompting to pray for them or to talk to them or just find a, a simple way to get to know them so you can share your faith. This is what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. Saul and Barnabas are just modeling that for us. Now, over the last three weeks, we have had over 20 people baptized because of their faith in Jesus here at Genesis. We've celebrated that for three weeks in a row. And it's a, baptism is a really amazing response of faith and obedience to Jesus. But every one of those people, when we baptize somebody, we read their testimony. And have you noticed that when we read their testimonies, there's always a person like me or you that's walking alongside of them. That's how God wants to use us in these familiar places with these familiar people. He wants to use us right where he has planted us to have an influence for him. And so imagine what could happen if later today or this week, as we go to all those familiar places, if our eyes were open, if our antenna was up to the people that God is putting right in front of us and we just prayed a prayer, okay, use me here today. What do you want me to do today to have an influence for Jesus? But just because we're called doesn't mean we're gonna have success everywhere we go. If you keep reading in Acts 13, what you see is that Saul and Barnabas worked their way all the way across the island of Cyprus. They continued to share everywhere they went. Look at verse six. They traveled through the whole island until they came to Paphos. Paphos is the city on the opposite side. There they met a Jewish sorcerer and a false prophet named Bar-Jesus, who was an attendant of the proconsul, Sergius Paulus. The proconsul was an intelligent man and he sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. Really important details. We meet some, we're in a new city. We meet some new people. We've got this Roman proconsul and this false prophet, this Jewish false prophet. So a proconsul was a governor for a Roman province, province who had been appointed by the emperor himself. So what's that, what that means is this man, Sergius Paulus, was probably really influential and well-known, not just in his city, but on the island of Cyprus. And then we have this Jewish sorcerer named Bar-Jesus. That name just means son of Jesus. Jesus was a very common name in those days, but he had attached himself to this proconsul, Sergius Paulus. Um, in, the, in the message translation, Eugene Peterson refers to Bar-Jesus as he, he was a, crooked as a corkscrew. 
He was doctor know-it-all. He was up to no good. Think Jafar, right? He looked good, but he was not a good guy, right? You wanted to steer clear. And here's the problem. He was distracting Saul and Barnabas from sharing their faith. He was distracting the proconsul Sergius Paulus from hearing the message of the gospel. And look at what happens. Verse eight, but Elymas the sorcerer, for that is his name, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at him and said, you are a child of the devil. You are an enemy of everything that is right. You're full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now let's just revisit what Paul just said here. You're a child of the devil. You're an enemy of everything that is right. You're full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. It's Mother's Day. Can we have some real talk as parents? Have you ever thought that? You're my child, but you are against everything that is good and holy, right? It sounds like Saul is talking to a group of rambunctious middle school boys. He's like, knock it off. And he's not mincing words. He rebukes him and look at what happens. Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You're going to be blind for a time, not even able to see the light of the sun. Immediately mist and darkness came over him and he groped about seeking for someone to lead him by the hand. Verse 12, when the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed for he was amazed at the teaching of the Lord. Lots of crazy and weird details in this story, right? So why do they matter? Well, I don't think the point of the story is that when you leave today, you go trying to find somebody that you can refer to as a child of the devil and seeing if you can strike them blind. That's not the point. That was something the Holy Spirit did specifically through Paul. But here is the point. In Acts chapter 13, we're, we're seeing it displayed that as followers of Jesus, not just Barnabas and Saul, but all of us, we're called, we've been prepared, we've been empowered, we're being equipped and we're being sent into this world to have influence for Jesus. That's why we've named this series Sent. It's not optional. If you're following Jesus, he has called you out on mission. But along the way, you should experience, you should anticipate opposition because you're doing really, really important work. And not just any kind of opposition, but spiritual opposition. There was a spiritual battle taking place in this city on the island of Cyprus for the soul of Sergius Paulus and his family. And Satan was using this crooked, false prophet to distract, to discredit, to discourage. But the Holy Spirit worked through all of that. And the high point of the story isn't that this man is struck blind. The high point of the story is that Sergius Paulus put his faith in Jesus, not so much because of what he saw, but because of what he heard, the message that he heard preached. Now, I've got another interesting detail about this story that you might find interesting. This is outside of scripture. Back in the 1950s and 60s, there was a man named Sir William Ramsey. He was an archeologist and a New Testament scholar. And he went to the island of Cyprus and he discovered inscriptions on the island. And these inscriptions had the, the name of this man, Sergius Paulus. But it wasn't just his name that was inscribed. Somewhere along the way, those inscriptions tell us that Sergius Paulus wasn't just a real man, but his family, there was a period of time where his family began following Jesus. So that tells us that that weird story we just read is history. It actually happened. Those are real people, real places, and real events. And here's why that matters to us. All the details matter to God. 
every single one of them, the big ones, the small ones, the seemingly insignificant and inconvenient ones, God wants to use all of them to use us to help people find their way back to God through faith in Jesus. Now, as a follower of Jesus, as you're launched out on mission, is it gonna be easy? I don't think so. Will there be highs? Sure. Will there be lows? Absolutely. Is it gonna get weird along the way? It got weird in Acts 13. We should probably anticipate it getting weird for us too. But does it matter? Well, of course it matters. It matters to Sergius Paulus. His whole family's life was changed because of this interaction. If you're following Jesus today, it matters to you because somewhere along the way, you heard the message of salvation and you responded to him. It matters for the people that live around us. Now, as we close, I want us to do something a little different than what we would normally do today. Instead of closing by singing a song, I wanna lead us through a time of prayer and I wanna invite you to think through and apply some of the things that we've learned today. So I'm gonna have some prayer prompts up here on the screen. But if you trust me and it's not too weird for you, I wanna invite you to close your eyes and to bow your heads. I'll lead you through the prompts, but I wanna see if we can hear the Holy Spirit's voice today to guide each of us individually as a church family where he's sending us out to go. So if you feel comfortable bowing your head, go ahead and do that. And here's the first prayer prompt. I wanna invite you to ask the Holy Spirit to show you the familiar places that he has called you to. Where do you go on a regular basis that he would want to use you? Is it the street that you live on? Is it the apartment complex where you live or the school that you or your kids attend? Is it a class that you sit in regularly? the place where you work, maybe even a place you go for fun. Now I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, how do you want to use me here? Let him show you the place. Let him show you and listen to his voice. All right, you're at this familiar place, this familiar territory. Now I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, will you bring the faces of people to my mind right now? Will you show me who you're calling me, who you've equipped me to reach for you, Jesus? Is it that neighbor across the fence? Is their locker next to yours? Do they sit close to you in class? Do they work down the hall from you? Do you see them at the bus stop? Is it someone in your family, a parent, a spouse, a child, a sibling? I'm gonna guess that's somebody that you care about a lot. And as much as you care about them, the Lord cares about them more than you and I could imagine. So now I want you to ask the Holy Spirit. This is a bold prayer. Ask him for the courage and the opportunity to put your faith on display this week.
I don't know where he's led you. I don't know who the faces are, but they matter to him and he wants to use you. So I want to ask you to pray one more thing. Would you ask him to break your heart for them? Would you ask him to move you to emotion for them to understand they are lost apart from a relationship with Jesus? This isn't just a chance encounter. He wants to use you to lead them in knowing him. Okay, one more thing. I wanna invite you to open your eyes and I'm gonna have us pray a prayer together. We call it our everyday prayer. We, we introduced this back in the uh, Acts chapter one. And I'm, uh, can you go on to the next slide, Max? In just a moment, I'm gonna ask you to pray this prayer, but this prayer is written for people that are already following Jesus. And so if you're following Jesus, I wanna invite you to pray this prayer. If you're not following Jesus, and you're curious, I wanna invite you to come forward today after service and we can begin that conversation. But if you're ready to be put into motion for Jesus, would you pray this prayer with me out loud? Father in heaven, thank you for saving me. I want you to do for others what you have done for me. Use me today to help others know you. Father, we thank you for the details of your word. They matter, they're historical, they're factual, they're true. They tell us how the early church was formed, how it functioned, how it grew. And we can also apply them in simple ways to know how to follow you today. Would you prepare us as we go to familiar places? Would you prepare us as we see familiar faces? Would you help us to be ready to respond with courage? Would you help us, would you send help would you send someone to go with us so we don't have to go alone? Saul and Barnabas didn't go alone, they went together. And would you help us to get to see what happens when we're a people that are in tune with your Holy Spirit? Jesus, let it all be for your glory. It's in your name that we pray, amen.